Chapter 55 of The Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheraton Lefanu. Chapter 55 How Fares the Child? dr willet called regularly at the grange and kind lady windale was daily there taking the doctor's directions about jellies wines and such other good things as the depressed state of the patient called for notwithstanding her fever in a few days more he changed this treatment the patient in fact could not be got to swallow these things dr willet became more perplexed it was not exactly gastric fever but he thought it more resembled that flickering treacherous fire than any other fever with which he was acquainted there are sicknesses that will not be cured through the body the mind diseased which is the parent of these impracticable maladies of which when people die they are said to have died of a broken heart disdains the apothecary's boxes and bottles knows nothing of them a heartache of which it is no more than an unusually protracted fit has its seat in that which no apothecary can hear see feel or understand when the immortal and in this life inscrutable spirit which is the unseen lodger the master of the body sickens all sickens in its pain all below it writhe and wither and the body its ultimate expression reflects but cannot mitigate its torment dr willet too complained that the child was ill and that it must have been ill before it left the grange on this point he and mildred tarnley had a sharp battle when both parties had cooled a little he admitted that possibly the symptoms might not have been sufficiently developed to have excited the attention of an uninstructed observer the grange was growing all this time more awful death seemed to have made his abode there and the shadow of the hearse plumes seemed to rest upon the windows courage flagged despair supervened and mrs tarnley's temper grew all but insupportable a day in such situations seems very long and many had passed since the baby had made his journey to twyford the doctor seemed desponding and stood longer silent by his patient's bed this day than usual his questions were briefer and he was less communicative than usual when he was going Mildred Tarnley was making up her mind that the blow was inevitable and was secretly wishing it might come soon, since come it must. The father buried but two months since, the mother sinking into an untimely grave, and the poor little baby also dying. Was this family accursed? What a blight was this! The doctor had said that he would return by grice's mill it had been dark some time and was now about seven o'clock tom was down at the forge dulcibella and lily dogger 
both upstairs and she quite alone in the kitchen she was more uncomfortable than she had ever been before about alice that night she had seen in the doctor's countenance that day as he told her he would look in again on his return up the glen that which had profoundly alarmed her and now sitting alone in this dark kitchen she was infested by gloomy forebodings and terrible fancies she went upstairs to the sick lady's door at that hour no amendment was probable and there certainly was none down again she went the idea had got into her head that the patient would die that night and she grew nervous and tired of listening for death watches and picking incipient winding sheets off the candle i wonder master harry doesn't come here if twas only to ask whether his sister was dead or alive and why old willet don't come smelt out a good supper somewhere and he's stuffin' his gut i'll warrant while the poor ladies take in the rattles mildred tarnley could take this no longer and she went out and down the dark road that leads to the glen of carwell close by down which with the uselessness of impatience she went to look for a sight of the absent doctor and listen for the tread of his horse nothing cheered by that darksome walk and the solemn and solitary view down the carwell road she stood gazing down toward distant grice's mill until she tired of that too and in dismay and bitterness retraced her steps toward the grange on entering the yard she saw a man's figure approaching her from the kitchen door she thought it was the doctor's for a moment but it was not and with a lord who's that gasped in fear that sounded like fury she stood fixed as the old pump ah don't you know me woman said harry fairfield surly i've only a few minutes you'll have to come wi me in the morning over to twyford to twyford ay to twyford and why the devil do ye leave the yard door open i walked into the kitchen and right up the stairs looking for ye and knocked at ally's door i think you're cracked and what's to fear here down in the grange hoot if twarn't for form's sake we need never draw bolt from one christmas to another there was a woman found with her throat cut by the three pollards between this and hatherton on tuesday if you like sit down here tis little to me i'll come here at eight o'clock in the morning to fetch ye is the child sick not it it was but it's getting all right that is if it be the child what the deal do ye mean master harry i was looking at the child this morning and damn me if i think it's the same child we left here said harry why sir mr harry what's this i say i misdoubt it's not the same child and ye must come over and look at it don't ye say a word of the matter to no one no more did i if you do we'll never come to the bottom of it my dear lord 
exclaimed old mildred turning paler and frowning very hard i won't stop i won't eat anything i can't delay tonight my nags by the bridle there beside the scales and any message to wickford i'll be passing willet's house well well repeated mildred gaping at him still with scarcely a breath left her sin is sin be it seen or no judgment follows god has feet of wool and hands of iron sweep before your own door lass you're a bit daft bain't ye said harry with a sudden glare in his face god forgive us all amen said harry and there came a pause women and fools will be meddlin he resumed lord love ye for mad cows deaf ears they say on my soul twould make a cow laugh and if ye don't mind ye may run your head against the wall i will go to-morrow and look at the child said mildred with sudden emphasis clapping one lean hand down on the other that's all i want ye come what mischief can ye make o that clear your head there's two things shouldn't anger ye what ye can help and what ye can't said mildred i'll go wi' ye in the morning master harry that's the least we can do and the most how's ally dyin i think she'll be gone before daybreak i'm thinkin that's bad said harry good hap or ill hap as god awards i know nought against her poor little thing said harry i blame myself but what could i do if aught's gone wrong we the child poor lady tis well she were gone too there's many a fellow'd knock you on the head for less replied harry with a very black look you women has a hintin funkin way wi ye ye like to ladle the drippin over a fellow's legs and say ye meant the mutton can't ye speak out and say what ye mean and get it off your stomach and let me know and i'll answer it straight like a man and a fairfield damn me i'll go wi ye to-morrow and i take it that's what ye want well this i'll say if ye suppose i'd hurt that poor baby to the value of a pin's point you're a stupider and wickeder witch than i took ye for and i wish poor ally could hear me and i'd swear to her on my knees at her dying bed by the creator that made me that i'll work for that boy as if he was my own till i make him safe in wyvern and can't ye see woman damn ye that i can have but the boy's good in my mind when ask ye to come over on such an errand to twyford well i do suppose i do suppose eight o'clock and there's two feet will be cold air then i'm afeard don't be a fool no more and i forgive ye mildred said he extending his hand and don't ye mind a lick wi the rough side of my tongue 
tis away we us fairfields and there wasn't many of em would have stood to let ye rile em as you did me and bolt your doors mind and poor Allie, i hope she may do yet and mind ye eight o'clock sharp so harry departed mildred stood and looked after him for a time there's nothing ever goes right at the grange she said with a short hard sigh nor never did nor never will and after a pause with another sigh she said no no i won't think it i couldn't think it taint in one of them they might be tickled we a lass or hot-tempered we a man and a bit too hard we tongue or hand but the like of that i can't believe it never and i wish i hadn't a heard that i'm most sure i heard the child cry in the loft there i'm sorry i didn't say so then i don't know why and i don't know now what it should be no more than another but i didn't like it it looked like somewhat hid i can't say but my heart misgave me old mildred walked into the house she had other thoughts now than the poor lady upstairs they were remorseful though she could hardly say for what she could blame herself perhaps she overrated her authority and fancied she could have prevented the baby's being taken away but it might be all quite right men were so stupid about babies a pretty hand a fairfield man would make of a nursery at all events the morrow would clear a great deal up the morning came the doctor had looked in and as often happened had surprised the lookers-on by pronouncing positively that the patient was not worse with a qualm at her heart mildred asked him when he had seen the child and watched his face hard while he answered quite frankly that he had seen it the day before that it was decidedly better and it might possibly do well when should he see it again there was nothing alarming probably tomorrow certainly not later than the next day there was nothing urgent the chances were rather in favour of its recovery but of course there were the risks and we weren't to holla till we were out of the wood with this cheer mildred was much comforted so much reassured that when eight o'clock came next morning and brought no harry fairfield she felt rather relieved of a bore than disappointed two days later dr willett reported more favourably than he had yet done on alice his account of the boy however was by no means so cheery harry looked in still later and talked the matter over with mildred i thought ye see i might just be making a fool of myself and another o you so i went over there quietly next day and i'm sure it was a mistake the child's thinner a deal and its colour gone and it was dark almost when i saw it and she held the candle too low and cast a shadow from its nose by jove across its face you never see so queer a monkey as it looked 
and so i held my tongue but made over here to put our heads together and make sure the matter but when i went next day and saw it in the daylight by jove it was all right the child and no mistake but it is grown awful thin and wry-faced only you couldn't take it for any other and the doctor sees it every second day and i'm glad to hear that poor little alice is getting on so well she'll be on her legs again in no time i'm thinking after harry had gone dr willett arrived with a very ill account of the baby dying poor little thing its heart wrong and all the organs but you mustn't tell mrs fairfield it may cost her her life if she begins to fret about it and just tell her it's quite well for it's true you know it's nearer heaven and best of all when it gets there so tell her when she asks that it was sent in charge of careful people to get it out of the reach of the infection that is in the neighborhood and keep her mind quiet a few days later the news of its death arrived in the kitchen and lily dogger who was afraid to give way to her emotions before mrs tarnley abruptly rose and ran out and throwing her apron over her head broke into absolute screams of crying under the great old trees that stood by the scales here there was a sad secret to disclose when the time came and poor alice was strong enough to bear the story in the meantime harry fairfield came and had a stormy interview with old mildred the doctor he swore didn't know his business the women at twyford had neglected the child he'd see to it he'd be a devil among the tailors he'd open their eyes for them he had often got fifty pounds for a less neglect of a filly they should smoke all round for it and there now was wyvern without an heir for damn him if he'd ever marry he wouldn't for saint peter it wouldn't do it wouldn't be at no price and there was old wyvern and never a fairfield to see tankard filled or faggot fired in the old house harry was not married although he had insinuated some matrimonial ambiguities in his talk with old mildred but i believe he swore truly when he vowed that he never would marry he had quite made up his mind on that point for some time for the rest his threatenings ended in the noise they began in in truth there was no ground for complaint and both nurse and doctor had done their duty alice recovered i do not attempt to describe the long morning that followed the sweet the bitter and the terrible recollections that ever after tinted the image of carwell grange in her memory as soon as she could bear removal to her kind kinswoman lady windale insisted on taking her to alton after a time they travelled and finally returned to alton where they lived on together in the happiness of great and tried affection a difference of five and thirty years did not separate them any more than the interval of a generation did naomi and ruth lady windale being one of those gifted women in 
whom the girlish spirit burns high and bright so long as life itself continues full of sympathy and gaiety with a strong vein of romance and a pleasant sense of the ridiculous and also fine immovable affections was to one who had suffered calamities so dire as had befallen alice fairfield a more delightful companion than any of her own age could have been for when it was needed there was the graver charm of a long and sad experience and there were also the grander teachings of religion and these were not obtruded or vaunted in any wise but rather toned her thoughts and feelings with their peculiar sublime and melancholy thoughts in which all things are subdued and also glorified end of chapter fifty five recording by john brandon